Welcome to the Striking Oil Podcast, giving you Edmonton Oilers analysis and opinions from a fan turned journalist. I'm your host, Caleb Kearney. By day, I am a carpenter, and by night, I am the site editor over at the Edmonton Oilers team site at the Hockey News website. Thank you for joining me today. We've got a couple interesting topics to talk about today. First of all, we're going to talk about that Heritage Classic win. I'll give you a quick couple of my thoughts on the game. I had uh, an article last night, sort of a quick post-game reaction come out. Plus, I'm going to have a takeaways article come out in the morning, be- probably before you listen to this. So look out for that. I'm going to talk about uh, three Bakersfield Condors who should be called up. And three Oilers who should be sent down or two because the third one I'm going to talk about is injured potentially, although we don't know exactly what. And then finally, I'm going to talk about some struggling Oilers. So these are going to include some Oilers who I'm not suggesting should be sent down, but just some depth scoring that needs to step up in order to make this team a playoff team. And so I'm going to talk a little bit of, I'm going to talk about three players. I'm going to mention one other player who I also mentioned in my struggling section. And that's going to be the show. So to kick things off, Heritage Classic. It was a fantastic event put on by the NHL and the Oilers and the Flames. There was a lot of fun things. I only made it to the game. I didn't make it to any practices or anything like that. Uh, But the game itself was a statement game from the Oilers. It was the closest thing to a full 60 minutes that we have seen from them. And one of the biggest keys was in the second period, they bent but they didn't break. Okay. The flames pushed and pushed trying to tie up the game. They sort of, they felt that pushback and then they pushed back, which is the key thing with this team. What we haven't seen a lot of this season is when the opposition pushes back. They don't, they kind of, they snap a little instead of just bending, they snap. And then things get dislodged in some way, whether it's just certain individuals not playing a certain way, but it affects the whole team. It affects the mindset of the team. And yesterday, that's not what I saw. I saw a team that came out ready to play. Connor McDavid was back. He looked great. You know, we also got great games from Evander Kane. You know, he played his typical all over the ice game. You know, Woodcroft said in his presser, you know, he was shooting, he was hitting, he got some goals, he spent time in the penalty box. It was a quintessential Evander Kane game, and I couldn't agree more. It's all over the ice, six shots, six hits, four penalty minutes. That's four penalty minutes is actually pretty mild for Kane, to be honest. Uh, Dreisaitl also had a fantastic game, two assists. He was creating chances all over the place. Had a beautiful pass for Zach Hyman's goal. Fantastic. Vincent D'Arnais scores his first goal. That was pretty exciting. I know the guys were super excited for him. 
And Stuart Skinner, for a second game in a row, was locking it down. He was just dialed in. And that's, you know, back-to-back games of Skinner just being, his rebound control just being so on point and just so engaged and in the moment. It was fantastic, fantastic to see. And another big thing for this Oilers team is they got two third-period goals against the Flames. They have now tripled their goals that they've scored in the third period. They'd only scored one up until last night's Heritage Classic. Now they have three. Are they back? As a lot of them said in their postgame, specifically Dreisaitl, he mentioned it more than once. It's just one game. We got the win. It's just one game. Now let's get another one and another one, and another one. Let's just line them up now. Okay, this is just one. We're not going to dwell on this. We're going to celebrate tonight because this is a special event. A bunch of families here. It's a great environment. We're going to celebrate, but then we're going to come back to work and we're going to do our best on Thursday. So that's, in a nutshell, that's how the Heritage Classic was. It was, you know, just... For my personal experience, it was it was interesting. It was sort of like going to my first game as press all over again. There was a whole bunch of things that were just new and different, and it was in it wasn't at Rogers, obviously. It was at Commonwealth, so the different venue made things just interesting for me. Just trying to access you know the points, the media points that I needed to, and you know the next time that there is a Heritage Classic, I want to go to the whole shebang for the weekend, go to the practices and other fun stuff like that. And speaking of fun stuff, the Oilers and the flames showing up in, you know, almost in Halloween like fashion, the Oilers is oil drillers naturally. And the Calgary flames is cowboys with, Cowboy hats, cowboy boots, denim overalls, and that's about it. Some of them wore shirts underneath. Most of them didn't. It's kind of a fun little thing. And then the oil, like the oilers all wearing like their big like oil rigger blue coveralls and um and the hard hats and the glasses. It definitely definitely felt like an Alberta game. I'll say that much. Moving along to the next topic of discussion and what I'm calling three up, three down. So I think there's three players to be scalded up and three players who either need to be sent down or just need to not play. Okay. And this is, this is a tough section here for me personally. Okay. Now the three players who I believe should get a, a call up Ben Gleason, Raphael Lavoie, Sam Gagne. Okay. They're all looking fantastic in the AHL right now. Lavoie is in beast mode over five shots a game. He's got seven points in five games. Gagne's got five points in three games. Ben Gleason's got, he's got like four points in five games, something like that. Just ridiculous for a defenseman. He's playing fantastic. 
He's another lefty, but that's okay. Because you bring Ben Gleason up, he's a depth guy. He's not a main guy. And that's sort of the key piece to him being called up. Lavoie, I think he deserves a chance in the top nine of the Oilers. And I think if they go 11 and 7, he's going to get some great opportunities there. I think most of the time the Oilers will go 11 and 7. It just seems to kind of work for them. And with that, there are some casualties, as it were, with going with 11 and 7. And we saw that last night, specifically with one of the three players who I think are a part of the three down. And that's Phil Broberg. Phil Broberg just played over seven minutes last night. His ice time has been all over the place. His first two games, he had 13 and a half minutes and 16 and a half minutes. But since then, it's either been 10 minutes or less. And frankly, that's not good enough. Broberg needs to play more. He needs to play to actually prove what he can do to develop. And he's in the last year of his entry-level contract. It's not a great sign when your top defensive prospect, you're only giving them seven minutes a night, eight minutes a night. If you're going to play them in the NHL, play them in the NHL. I don't understand. I really don't. Now, granted, the game last night, there was a bit of a caveat. There was a lot of five-on-three penalties for the Oilers. And in those situations, I can understand Woodcroft thinking in his mind, his thought process being, okay, I only have three skaters on the ice. Do I want to put... Philip Broberg in that position where he's only one of three defending. Probably not. But that also leads the train of thought to the place of if you can't have enough trust in your defenseman to play him in that situation, why is that his role? Why is his role, you know, five on five time and penalty kill time? From what I've seen of Broberg, He's been pretty steady with whatever minutes he's gotten. He hasn't made any incredibly egregious errors. Does he make errors? Yes. Everybody on the team makes errors. Okay. I think that's pretty clear. But to not give him the ice time he needs to really prove what kind of player he is, it's it's not a good look. So the Oilers need to make a decision about Philip Broberg. They either need to send him down and play him like 25 minutes at night. Or they need to actually give him those minutes in the NHL. Not 25 minutes. Give him 13 minutes. Give him 15 minutes. But give him more in that range. Because he's been playing 10 or less for the past like 3 or 4 games. And it's not good enough. Has they or nay been playing good? Yes. But... Something needs to change with defense because Broberg is getting the short end of the ice time stick and it is not good for him or the team, especially if they plan on, if they plan, if, if they play him more and then they come into a position at the trade deadline where they need to move an asset to upgrade on defense and you're going to move Philip Broberg. His value isn't going to be as high if he's only been playing 10 minutes or less a night. Other teams are going to be like, he's like your eighth defenseman. Like, 
we'll give you a fifth round pick for him. Like those can't upgrade anything with a fifth round pick. So that is something that needs to change going forward. The other two in the down section, Matthias Janmark, it looks like he might be injured. He was seen, his arm was seen in the sling on Friday. I believe it was, he didn't participate in warmups yesterday for the game, did not participate in the game as well. So we'll see if we get some kind of statement from the Oilers today on what his injury status is. And I suspect that if there's an, if there is an injury, I also can see us starting to see some movement because Adam Ernie is also somebody who should be sent down. He played less than Broberg last night. He played maybe five minutes, maybe between three and five minutes. What I'm seeing for time on ice on different websites compared to what I received as press the sheet with all the times with all the time on ice on it. There's a bit of a discrepancy. So I'm not, I'm not too sure what that's about, but regardless, Ernie barely played. Yanmark didn't play. So those two guys obviously need to get moved around. If Yanmark is an injury, that's going to be more than two weeks. You send him to IR, you get a call up. Ernie's on a two-way Ernie or Ern. I don't even know how to say his last name, to be honest with you. Those two guys get sent, or if Ern gets sent down, Adam Ernie gets sent down, my goodness, and Yanmark to IR, then you can call up Gagne and Lavoie, okay? And then, then you're kind of in a situation where once they are up, then Maybe you do that first and just give Broberg more games. And then if the coach just isn't in a place to give him more games or feel like he can give him more games, then you just send him down to the AHL. You call up Ben Gleason and you go from there. I mean, it's kind of a sucky situation for Broberg. He's coming into this year hoping to solidify a top six place on the team. It was looking like he was getting a lot of time with Ekholm and it just hasn't materialized. And that is not, pardon me, that's not fair to the Oilers or Broberg. Now, last section, struggling Oilers. Okay. So obviously, you know, I kind of went on a, a tangent with with Broger there but again like pk time last night he got like eight seconds or like 30 seconds like barely anything and there's a lot of guys who play at least four minutes five minutes on the penalty kill day or played three and a half like if you're gonna play broberg penalty kill play him on the penny penalty kill it's that simple now some other oilers who are struggling and this is more focused at secondary scoring you know some some players that just need to get going you know and top one on the list is connor brown okay he's got zero points in eight games that offense is kind of the biggest concern with him but he's still all over the ice he's still working hard he's still getting shots he's getting chances they just need to start going in and again he only played 
four games last year. So expectations for him just need to be at a appropriate level. Now, the other two players that there's some concern about in terms of just getting secondary scoring going, Dylan Holloway and Ryan McLeod. Okay. Holloway is playing great. He's getting chances. Same with like similar to color Connor Brown, where he's all over the ice. He's, he is doing things to score those goals, to get those chances. And it's just not materializing. So again, is that, is this a line with, is this a problem with the third line? Because these three players are all the Edmonton Oilers third line, Ryan McLeod, Dylan Holloway, Connor Brown. That's the Oilers third line right now. Do the lines need to be shaked up again? Do they need to mix up the second and third lines a little bit more just to kind of get somebody going? Um, We'll see. We'll see what they do. You know, Fogel was elevated to the top line with Drysaddle McDavid. They were dangerous all night last night. I'd like to keep Fogel there. Kane with Nuge and Hyman. I think that's a good combination. Maybe you mix up Kane or Nuge or somebody. Maybe you stick Nuge with Holloway and Brown and stick McLeod with Hyman and Kane. And maybe Hyman and Kane can kind of get McLeod going. And maybe just having Nuge instead of McLeod can give Brown and Holloway a boost. Something needs to be experimented with there so that they can kind of get going. You know, I'd expect McLeod and Holloway to get between 30 and 40 points. Right now, neither of them have goals. And they just need more from their secondary scoring. If they are going to be a legit Stanley Cup contending team, they need more up and down the lineup. That's a wrap for our episode today. If you enjoyed this, please leave a five-star review. Please leave a comment on YouTube. Also, if you're listening on Spotify, you can let me know directly on there what you thought of the episode. Just type in the little box there and I'll read those comments. And if there's something you want me to talk about, just punch it in there. Same with the YouTube comments. Let me know if there's something specific you want me to talk about. You can follow me on Twitter at C Kearney Writer. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Striking Oil Pod. Go to uh, the Hockey News website to read the latest articles from me. That's just thehockeynews.com slash NHL slash Edmonton dash Oilers. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listening you listen to. Like the video and subscribe on YouTube, please. All the all the subscribing, all the sharing, it does help out the show and getting it out there to get more people watching and listening. I'd really appreciate that. You can subscribe uh, to the Edmonton Oilers Hockey News Substack, where a couple times a week I send out a newsletter of just some summaries of some st- of some top stories from the past several days or past week, whatever it is, I'm going to be sending out a special one of those regarding the 
Heritage Classic, essentially all the coverage that I have produced for the Heritage Classic, I'm going to put on one Substack. So go check that out. That's at edmontonoilersthn.substack.com. And the links for everything that I've mentioned will be in the show notes. Thank you for joining me. And don't forget, it's not a game day unless the Oilers play. I'll see you next time.